0: Mic check one two. Mic check one two. Hey, <laughs> hey, should we drive the beat? Yeah, drop the, the beat. Hey, hello, and welcome to On the Edge with Eddie. Detangling our black identities. I am your host, Eddie Eddie. Hey, I am thrilled and overjoyed for you to be joining our conversations to explore all the different shades of Black identities, have real conversations and discussions. Our conversations and discussions, stories are not meant to degrade, discourage or prove a point. Exploring our Black identities, it's all about learning, empowering, giving a voice to people who don't have a voice and giving a voice to people who want to tell their stories hashtag not all black people are the same so today i have my good friend gerald bucks i mean my man is the i.t operations manager for the u.s soccer federation um, focused and dedicated technology professional um, over 20 years in technology experience including leadership roles He's a youth mentor. Um, oh, check this out. He was, um, he, he, he volunteers a lot. So he was a race marshal for the Chicago Marathon. Um, he has volunteered in multiple roles for the NCAA championship. Um, experienced IT leader, like I said, a bridge builder, forward thinking, customer service focused. I mean, a sports nut. My man, JB, welcome to On the Edge with Eddie. How are you doing, sir?
1: Man, it is my pleasure to be here, Eddie. Uh, thanks for all the kind words, too, man. I, I should have taped that.
0: <laughs> you know, I, 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 like I said, I, I just had a, um, uh, a podcast with uh, one of the judges recently, and I'm like, you know, I should go in the business of introducing people. And people just should just I should travel with people. Right. So, you know, every time that somebody's going to enter the room, I should go first with a boombox and be like, hey, all right, everybody. Here comes JB. <laughs> Forward thinking, <Look. laughs> customer service focus, sports nuts, experienced entry leader. Give it up for JB. <laughs>
1: Look, every every superhero needs a, a hype man and a theme yep. song. Okay. Yep.
0: Yep. There you go. I will be your hype uh, man every day. So what's it. going on? How Welcome in. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm I'm holding on just like uh everybody else during this pandemic thing, you know. So you know you have an ups, you have your downs, you have your steady flows. So yep. today's a good day though.
0: Yeah, good, good, good. You are uh, adjusting okay with the pandemic?
1: Doing well, man. Uh ironically, um, I didn't have as or at least I don't think I had as many issues. You might have to talk to somebody else in my household about that, but I don't think I have had as many difficult issues uh, during the during the transition period as as others. So um, I just kind of kept everything in perspective and, and kept it in focus and um, just you know took it one day at a time.
0: Right on. Hey, so uh, let's let's get ready to detangle JB. Um, So you were born and you were born, grew up in Chicago, um, I think in the south uh, west side of Chicago, before you moved to the south side. Let's talk a little bit about growing up in the west side of Chicago. Um, Again, I just had a conversation with a gentleman that was raised in the south side of Chicago. um, And he was telling me that a lot of times what happens is where the media portrays the Chicago space as, quote unquote, a war zone. Um, It's usually not what it seems for those individuals who are actually living and growing up in those spaces. Um, So I'm curious to get your perspective on, you know, you growing up in Chicago. um, What was it like for you growing up in Chicago, um, you know, in your early ages?
1: Chicago. Well, first of all, I'm a little mature than than yourself. Uh, So I'm I'm a proud 60s baby. So I grew up in a, revolution, a revolutionary type of uh, family thinking uh, dynamic. I'm blessed to have both my mom and dad who were comfortable being black,
0: yeah. uh,
1: made us comfortable being black, told us to be black all the time. And so uh, growing up as a youth on the west side of Chicago was cool because it was families. It was just all families and, you know, multiple families stayed on uh, on one property. So yeah. and my, on my property, I had, you know, my grandmother, my grandfather upstairs, my mom and dad, we were on the first floor, you know, my aunt and uh, her kids were in the garden apartment in the back. So, you know, three mm. full families. I mean, what more could you ask for? So, right. uh, it wasn't until, you know, I got much older that I was like, man, we're real short. A few things <laughs> during that time, <laughs> but
0: you know, exception, uh, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm the fir- first born child. So uh, surrounded by a lot of women. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, being compassionate and having a soft soul and spirit is something that they kind of, uh, developed in me along with everything else that's needed to, you know, to, to get right. through this world. Cause, um, at that time period, uh, in Chicago, you know, it's a very segregated city and it still is very segregated. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, you you were told early on uh, what the business was, and right. you know okay. you're black and you stay here. You don't <laughs> go there. You don't go over here. You don't go over here, and you don't go over here.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. So well, that that's interesting uh, because again, that that's that's actually sort of um, what I what I refer to as the the not a southern hospitality, but again, some sort of southern hospitality, but you know, the African countries, right? So again, being original from Ghana and, you know, growing up in Ghana, what you just described is exactly how we function in Ghana, right? So again, it's all about family, you know, family's everything, you have your Sunday dinners, you all go to church together, you come exactly. back home, and you know, it's, it's a good time, right? And it, it's not, it, so your parents actually don't even end up you know, um the parents raise you, but you have a lot of other people raising you, right? So there's like exactly raise you if you do something wrong, your aunt is gonna be in your face, boy. Why are you doing that? You know, so exactly I mean, that's great. That that's exact. That's that's what I grew up with, and I appreciate you saying that because you know, I think a lot of times people people don't understand that, right? They don't understand that you know the whole concept of you know, it takes a village to raise a child. That's exactly, exactly what happened. That's looks like that's the environment you came from. Yeah.
1: And that's exactly the words I was just going ready to speak to you. I'm glad you uh, segue there. Yeah. Um, you know, people say it now, you know, it takes a village. Um, they say it in, in kind of a gesture of uh, right. jokingly or something. But uh, in the 60s, 70s and 80s, that's exactly how we grew up. Um, yeah. You know, the entire block raised everybody. So not only your aunt and uncles, you know, on the property, but Mrs. Smith down on the corner, you know, with the with the cherry tree, if you're down there picking cherries, you know, she gonna get at you with the switch. Right. And then she's gonna walk you out uh, down to the house, you know, and turn turn you over yep. <laughs> to to the to the you know, the authorities in your home, <laughs> which was my grandmother, and my grandfather, and my mom, you know. Yeah. So
0: that's, a, uh, I mean, that's growing up. That's, I mean, growing up with a lot of love, right? Because it makes a difference. Because, you know, when you get to a certain point in your life and you're like, you know what? Wow. Like, I, I miss that family, right? Um, especially when you go off on your own and you see the world, like, quote unquote, see the world and you don't have that family support. Um, it, it, it makes a difference, right? So sometimes it's hard especially for me, when I moved to the States by myself, not having that you know, immediate support system that I had mm-hmm. in my family, it was pretty hard for me. Um, so growing up, you know, again, you know, within that, the way you grew up in the community, um, you know, everybody raised everybody, um, you're comfortable being black. When you were in Chicago, before you left for college, and we'll talk about that in a second, at any point in time, did you feel that, or did you recognize your race? Did you feel that, you know what? Yes, I am black. And because of these things that happens or any situations that happened, you're like, you know what? It is because I am black. That's why I'm being treated this way. Or did you experience any injustices or when did you recognize that you were actually black?
1: <laughs> you, you know, funny, the, <laughs> When people say, um, "When did you first realize you were black?" You know, and then they they give you some traumatic experience, some kind of you know altercation. And I think I'm kind of the opposite. I think uh, in my house, my mom and my dad were very clear about, "You are black, yes, you know," and saying that it's nothing wrong with that. That's who you are, and this was you know taught very early on. Yeah. Uh, to both my myself and my sister, you know. So, uh, again, a 60s baby growing up, you know, doing the the movement, mm-hmm. you know, King and, um, and X and all these other people out here, you know, on the front lines doing their thing. So it was evident and clear, you know, uh, the, the day that you. Are able to see, hear, and speak. <laughs> you know, yeah, black. black. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah. You know. Now, I did have negative experiences after that, but those negative experiences didn't impact me um, like they do others because I already knew that I was black and that uh, people were going to do things to me because I was black. You know. So, you know, my grandmother always likened it to 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 the Most High, like jesus christ was here and yep. you know <laughs> and he's a brown man and you know they, they're they not gonna be down with him so
0: right right the same right. is gonna
1: happen to you you're gonna you're a brown man they're not gonna really be down with you so don't let that bother you yeah don't let that get in your way and definitely <laughs> don't use it as an excuse you know so keep moving keep grooving and and, and find your lane and get in it and speed yeah yeah speed
0: no that's, that's, that, that's great that's great because Um, I mean, I think part of the issue that I have with a lot of the, maybe the younger generation now, um, again, there are some extremely brilliant advocates, uh, brilliant young folks doing great things, right? Um, But I mean, I think, you know, these days, what tends to happen is, you know, we tend to, we tend to, we tend to uh, maybe blame society um, for uh, preventing us to do certain things, right? I mean... I mean, to be Mm -hmm. real, there are some some barriers that we have to cross as Black folks, right? You know, but if you have the means and the ways and the the determination, and if you have, you know, the goals um, to achieve what you want to achieve, I mean, I think there's ways to achieve that, right? And that's not to say not to acknowledge the fact that, you know, things are going to try to prevent you from achieving what you want to achieve because of your skin color. But like what you're saying, that shouldn't um, prevent you from achieving what you want to achieve and that's how you grew up and, you know, that's how you function, right?
1: I, you know, growing up, those experiences that we all have mm-hmm. are prevalent in our lives. Those moments when they're like, get back, you're Black. You know, yep. we have those, but we cannot use that as a reason why we can't succeed. I mean, they're going to be, uh, again some barriers in the way there's going to be some people that's uh, not going to let you succeed. And there's going to be a lot of failures uh, Mm -hmm. along the way. Um, But you just have to understand that that comes with the territory and you have to bear that cross and keep it, uh, keep it moving. Right. Right. And so uh, there are going to be a lot of people that stand in your way. Are you Mm -hmm. going to always let them be in your way and let them stop you from doing what you got to do or being who you're supposed to be or going where you got to go?
0: Right, can't right. do it. <laughs> um, I was again, I was talking to a gentleman um recently on another podcast, and he told me something that like really hit me. Right? I mean, it, again, I've been reflecting on this for days. Um, and he was like, Um, I shouldn't let, he said, don't let don't self-select yourself out of what you want, right? Don't self-select yourself out of what you want. And I think, you know, part of the problem, maybe for certain Black people, again, me included, was there, you know, certain positions or certain spaces or certain things that were like, oh, you know what? either, you know, that's way too good for me, or maybe it could be, Mm -hmm. I remember back in the day when when I was like, I I used to say, oh my God, that girl is way out of my league, (laughs) but she's so cute. Uh, But I'm like, I'm not even gonna talk to her, but that translates into everything else, right? Into job. There are jobs that I saw that I'm like, you know what? I could do that job, but I would never get it. Oh, I could do this, but I would never apply for it because I wouldn't hire because of who I am, right? And you know, it dawned on me that, you know, we do that, especially um, even more so uh, being Black, because we imprison ourselves, right? We imprison our right. minds that, you know what, because that is far-fetched, I don't think I want to apply for it. I, will do, I don't want to be in that space. And it's a shame that, you know, we do that to ourselves. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder... If, you know, there's ever going to come a point that, you know, people are going to get, uh, or especially, you know, um the younger generation are going to get to the point that, you know what, you know, I belong in that space, so I am going to go and get it. I mean, there's a lot of young cats doing great things, but I mean, I think yes. it's that imprisonment <laughs> of our minds preventing mm-hmm. us from moving forward.
1: <laughs> you, you, know? you know, you have to, un- have to un- unshackle yourself. Yeah. You know, um, I've got two boys that I'm raising here in the city of Chicago, myself. Mm. And then we've got two adoptive girls that uh, I tell constantly, Hey, it's somebody else's job to tell, you no." right. At the end of the day, you're supposed to say yes to everything that's healthy, good, and spiritually well for you and that you are deserving of it and you go get it. And if you, you know, if you don't go get it, it's because somebody else denied you, not that you self checked yourself and said, no, that's too good for me or no, I'm not good enough for it.
0: Right.
1: Um, No, you go after what you, you, you see it, you go get it.
0: Yeah. And going in, you did. So um, you left Chicago, um, I think I was about the age of 18, um, and went to Alabama State University. Again, that's mm-hmm. an all black, uh, predominantly black university. Um, when you got there, the mentality that you have from in Chicago, um, you know, again, you took that with you. Um, what was the culture like? A, in Alabama State University. Again, that's Alabama, right? What people don't understand right. about the United States is, even though it is the United States, the states are really divided in the sense that the cultural <laughs> the cultural sense of hey. belonging and all of the different, they are so different, right? So a black exactly. man from Chicago, it's not the same as a black man from Alabama, right? Um, tell me exactly. a little bit about your experience when you got to Alabama State. What was that like for you? Right? Again, was there any culture? So, <laughs>
1: So, so this this is an interesting dynamic, you know. Um, like most kids that go to an HBCU, uh, back in that day, uh, that time period when I was going to college, it was very, it was for not forced upon you, but very well looked upon if you know you would go ahead and and yeah. educate yourself at an HBCU. Yeah. You know, my dad was uh, really simple about it. He was like, "Hey, you got the rest of your life to." to integrate with the rest of the world. If you can go four more years and just be around your people and, you know, and get your attention and nurturing that you need, Mm -hmm. then I would suggest you do that. So, you know, that was how we got to the HBCU love. Plus my parents never went to college. So uh, one of the things for them was for us to go to college. And for my mom, it was for us to go to college at at HBCU. You know, my dad was just like, hey, go to college. Um, So getting back to culture, you know, our first trip to the south is typically to that HBCU. <laughs> so when you get down, you're you're shocked and kind of awed at everything that's going on because you go down with the thought that hey, I'm going down and I'm gonna be with my people and do this thing. And when you get down there, they're divided from you. You know, you're a northern black and yep. you know you're from Chicago, you know, and it's you right. know mobs and you know Al Capone and you know <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy. <laughs>
0: <yeah. Hey>, <laughs> you're that <know>? guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, so you have to kind of break down just the the communication language barrier between, you know, Southern blacks and northern blacks. And so you you break down those barriers and then you realize, oh cool. We're all, we're all good. And then the nurturing and the love and everything else kind of starts to follow and flow after that. So, uh, but that first week or two, when you're down there, you're like, Whoa, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> um, I distinctly remember my first, first week on campus, there was a clan clan march right down through downtown, mm. which is you know, shocking to me, which wow. <laughs> is yeah. mind blowing. Like, yo, Y'all let this go on?
0: Right. <laughs> is this, <laughs> this,
1: this what we do? Is this normal? I mean, right. we, don't do this. we don't do this in Chicago. Like, you know, yeah. you know they might march around their neighborhood, but they're not coming downtown. What, what is What's this? Man, so yeah. those are the culture uh, shocks that I kind of went through. Um, and then uh, the healthy eating kind of kicked in because, you know, you live in a city, you're you kind of fast foodie. Wow. Uh, from time to time yep. uh, but when you get down south you get a lot more uh, variety, you're a little poorer yeah. than, uh, than your friends so you're, <laughs> you're on campus eating more, a little bit more and so you're right, yeah. now being educated on what vegetables are uh-huh. you know yeah. <laughs> you have an appreciation for liver now you
0: know, uh, so, uh, you know.
1: <laughs> ride uh, so right, you know uh, so I mean yeah. For me, it was cool because it was just again uh, my opportunity to just kind of still be around, uh, you know, my people, and not having to really deal with all the other stuff that comes along with being black and you know, in, a, in a white society, you know. So yeah.
0: yep. when, little, when you first, so you, you you just mentioned the the first week that you were there, it was a transition period for you. Um, the whole time over in Alabama. Um, did you find yourself maybe in different situation, either um, code switching within the black frame? So basically uh, in the sense that, you know, you're a Chicago black and you're now with Alabama blacks. And, you know, those are like two different things until you actually got to realize that, oh, you know, yeah, we're two different worlds apart, but we're actually, you know, sort of the same individual. At any point in time, did you feel like you have to sort of, change your uh mentality or change who you are as an individual in <laughs> order to fit in with the uh southern blacks
1: so you know the only thing that i i was kind of conscious i was you know being from the city uh you know so many people here so this you have a tendency as as an urban kid to be vocal mm. um and then you are always able to be spotted not by the fact that you're loud and and screaming and hollering or anything else it's just the way you carry yourself you stand out just a little differently from everybody else in the group so you know early on the only thing that I was kind of conscious of was just making sure that I didn't overshadow cats right like don't Don't just come in a room and be like, yo, I'm here, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, you leave that to the fraternity guys and everything else, you know, but you're just in a new environment, a new space. You're just trying to check it out, trying to just see, you know, what you're dealing with. So you kind of tone down who you are just a tad bit to to figure out, you know, what's what, where do I fit in? Do I fit in, you know, what's going to happen next? And so, you know, are these really who are these people really who they are mm-hmm. or say they are, you mm-hmm. know, so it's just a lot of, you know, holding back. And it's something that I think we still do to this day when we start somewhere new uh, for employment or yep. to get involved in a new organization. You know, it's just a feeling out period. So, you know, you kind of you don't let the whole JB out, you know, you let 70% out, you know, you give them just enough to let them decide if they want the rest
0: all <laughs> the <other laughs> 30%, right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> oh, so. no, true that, true that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Again, you said you, you have four kids, um, two sons, two girls. Um, and you, you're raising your kids in Chicago. Um, first of all, raising Hey, as a black man raising kids and with all of the things going on right now and how you grew up, um, are you raising your kids the way your parents raised you to accept the fact that, hey, listen, you're black, right? And you're going to grow up being black and certain things are going to happen because of your skin color. And that's not, that shouldn't deter you from, you know, reaching your goals. Um, Or are you more of, you know what, hey, listen, like. You're black, right? This is this is the world this is what it is, and you figure your stuff out, right? <laughs> um tell me a little bit about how the mentality that you're instilling in your in your boys, especially, um, and and how that's going.
1: <laughs> so, you know, each 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 child is their own child, right? So uh each one has to be dealt with individually. So I just wanted to make sure that no matter what happened, everybody was able to function in this place we call Chicago. Hmm. Um, While it's normal, there are some unnormal activities that do take place here because of the fact that we, you know, we got 5 million people here. Right, (laughs) It's a a lot of people. It's a lot of personalities here. (laughs) a lot of people,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not everybody is, you know, peace, brother, love
0: right. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so, so, you know, we wanted to make sure that uh, my wife and I wanted to make sure that we raised the boys correctly or, you know, as best we thought we could. You know, being a parent is, is an a OJT type of job, so there's no right or wrong. You're learning on own a job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, we both had decent blueprints by our parents laid out, um, and we both were very black. So that wasn't uh, ever going to be an issue uh, for our kids. So uh, we did raise them and said, Hey, look, you know, you're black, but that doesn't mean anything, but this is what can happen because of it. Right. You know, but here's what I want you to do because of it, you know? And so, you know, be prepared. And now you also live in this urban jungle and there's going to be some people here that are not going to appreciate your efforts to, to move forward. And there are going to be some, some people that are going to be, you know, full body barriers between you and your goals. So you just have to understand uh, and navigate, you know, this little minefield of ups and, um, ups and downs that you have to go through the seventh floor of life. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, keep your head up, stay proud, stay humble, you know, and stay black.
0: Yeah. Did you, um, so again, what have you had, again, the, the, the one you get pulled over by the police conversation with your boys.
1: We had those conversations. uh, Early on. I think I had an initial conversation when they were probably 10 and six, Mm. Um, but we had an in-depth conversation when it, it became time to learn how to drive.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, that 's when the in depth discussion took place, and the activity surrounding uh, that discussion took place you know um, and then the nice thing about it is when you have an older one, the younger one is watching
0: right yeah and he
1: and he's sponging and absorbing everything that's going on, so the conversations that follow for him mm-hmm. aren't as intense aren't as uh, exaggerated because he's already been um Introduced to the concept and introduced to the story. Mm. Now, okay. The only thing we want to do at this point is to strengthen the value points and all of this, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about all of the uh, social injustices happening, um, especially even uh, from you know George Floyd to Breonna Taylor um, and you know all of the other ones. Um, as a black man, again growing up in Chicago. Um, and then, you know, traveling out of the United States again, right now, you know, you're with the U.S. Soccer Federation um, and there's a whole lot of sort of like the injustices happening. They have their own fights going on over there as well with the women's soccer. Um, mm. So <laughs> with all of that injustice happening, you know, for you as a black man, and let me ask specifically, um, when the, the incident with George Floyd happened, um with an officer with his knee on a black man while he's dying slowly um again i i had i i had some i had some emotions right i i, I when i saw that video there are some emotions that i hadn't really been tapped into <laughs> before right exactly um, right there's something and, going and, on and it was it, it was real for me because i'm like wow like what like, people are even trying to help. Like, people are trying to get you to do something about this. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, what, what emotions, what, what was going on with you when you saw that the first time or when you heard about that the first time? That,
1: that, that's interesting because at that time, I was still trying to process Armand Arbery. I was still trying to
0: mm-hmm.
1: process how a brother could just be jogging yeah. down the street yeah. and, and get gunned down. You know, like right. this has been going on for a while. You know, this has been going on forever since we've since the first boat ride. So it's not nothing new, but what it becomes is it just becomes so exhaustive. Like this is just really like, you know, how, how much how much more do you need to have happen for you to understand what's happening? You know, like some people steal. Watched that nine-minute tape and was not truly convinced that there was something wrong with that. You know, he should have complied. Um, he was only doing his job, right? Who knows what you know he had been dealing with for the pre- the previous two or three weeks? You no, know, no, those are excuses, right? Mm-hmm. It's all garbage. <laughs> you know, you saw it. It was a nine-minute tape. Yep, during a pandemic. Well, your total attention was, was available. And so when you see it, you're like, damn. And I, that's it for me. It was just like, damn, Right. that's raw right there. Like we've seen this and done this before, but right. this is the first time it's been published to the entire world, right?
0: Everybody watching, yep.
1: Everybody, right? This is bananas and steel. After seeing that, you still are not convinced that uh something is something should change or something's not quite right.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So that just lets you know how far we've come and how far we have to go. <laughs> it's just unreal. It's just you do know
0: you think, um, do you think there's hope for us as a country? <laughs>
1: You know, it is what it is, man. I think the sooner we accept reality, the sooner we can move move on. But
0: mm.
1: as long as we keep trying to sell that false dream that, you know, this is America, you know, home of the free and home of the brave and, you know, yeah. you're still selling with boxes. That's I mean, the reality is, is this place has been messed up from the time Columbus stumbled on it. You know,
0: long time. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time. Yep. So <laughs> it hasn't been right since, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh you know, the the nice thing about being able to to witness the George Floyd, and I don't think there was anything nice about it, but the the nice thing about the fact that what happened to him was we were sitting still, and everyone was able to watch it. Right. And so. While we may not make any strides or any um movements forward, it's on tape and it now is part of the history of, of what's happened. Mm. You know, it's not some mythical story, it's right. not some black and white picture from you know yesteryear. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's a live video from twenty twenty.
0: Yeah. So um just like myself, you, you're involved in a lot of youth programs. Um, again, you've mentored a lot of people um, and you try to uh, sort of um, educate the younger generation that, hey, listen, you know, it is what it is. You, you need to sort of figure out what you want to do, you need to figure out how you want to do it, and then, you know, go after it, right? Um, outside of educating our uh, younger generation or mentoring our younger generation, what do you think we as black folks need to be doing um, either better or what do we need to be doing educating our sort of quote unquote allies who are there to sort of want to help us um, maybe change you know, the communities that we're a part of. Um, you know, Are there things that we as black folks should be doing or where black folks are not doing um, that could potentially sort of, you know, elevate or sort of help with some of these situations?
1: You know, I I don't think there's any wrong method. I don't think there's any right method, Uh, but I do do know that we are people of many colors and shapes, sizes and shades, right? And one cookie cutter approach will not satisfy you know, everyone involved. And so I am thankful that there are many people uh, in the process doing what they do, giving back and paying forward, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You have to pick your lane and young people, you know, I wasn't a volunteer guy, I wasn't a young guy, okay? I didn't start volunteering until I got older, I got more comfortable with who I was, you know, and the professional workplace and, you know, all these other things, you know, but then for me as well, because I'm still learning and growing as, as a, a man and a person and a human being as well. So, you know, we start giving time when the time comes. Yeah. And so, you know, long as long as we keep pushing uh, positive imagery, positive messages, positive thoughts, positive energy, positive vibes, <clears throat> we can start making uh, some headway and some progress in moving forward. Um, it's when hope is taken away and then hope is constantly beat it down when it tries to to come out and flourish. Uh, and that's the sad part of me that reaches out to those who are not as fortunate to be mentored or have a youth organization that they can go to or someplace where someone is, uh positively impacting their lives um we can't leave it to just uh educators or teachers to to carry on that role right so everybody has to take part in it uh my job and our job i think is to make sure that we reach out to everyone uh the the young people under 10 the people between 10 and 20 the people between 20 and 30 30 and 40 like everybody needs help right You know, um, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Uh, Do
0: that. Do that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So excuse me. So I say that to say. uh, Volunteerism and 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 paying forward uh, is something that's vital and it's something that has been done in the past without a title or a name paying forward or anything. This is what we as people did. Yeah. You know, we came here, we moved from the South to the North and we sent for everybody one by one and we brought them to the North, let them experience some, some freedom from the Jim Crow stuff and come here and make some money and take care of your family and and have a chance. And so, uh, it's that mentality that I walk around with. So we're going to reach back. We're going to bring, uh, every person, uh, with us just going to have to bring them one by one.
0: Yep yep
1: and and some of them are gonna some of them unfortunately are gonna we're gonna bring with us they're gonna be fighting biting and scratching and kicking okay (laughs) but that's okay
0: yep yep holding on to their own shackles too (laughs) yes you don't want
1: to let them go and (laughs) i tell them you can bring those with you okay we'll break them over here
0: (laughs) oh man uh are you're right on point um let's talk a little bit about our field of technology right um again in the space of technology there isn't a lot of black folks, right? Um, you know, never the, has been. Yeah, the the space <laughs> of technology has always been dominated with uh, sort of the typical white male programmer or typical white male um, um, profile, right? And you know, I'm so excited, you know, that there's a lot more females going into the space of technology as well, which mm-hmm. is a, which is a great change. Um, but there's still the, the disparities or the challenges of getting. Um, you know, young black folks excited about technology um, and, you know, one of the things that, I mean, I try to do um, with, you know, a group that I, I'm working with, um, a nonprofit was trying to create that excitement for, <laughs> you know, this black force and it's trying to teach them that, hey, you know what, technology is not just a one dimensional field, right? It's like a 12 dimensional field, right? I mean, you have programmers, project managers, um, you know, you know, leadership, data center, you know, networking. And so, how, how, how do we or how, yeah, how do you and I get into a space that we can encourage this young black folks to get into the field of technology and be as excited about it um, as we are? It, you, <clears throat> so <laughs> it's funny because, you know,
1: we're lacking in so many spaces and, and we're falling behind in this uh, technology divide. Uh, because with just a simple lack of resources, like you know young people today they tell me they're tech savvy, but I tell them i don't call understanding how to use your phone being tech savvy you know yeah. I, I need a little bit more
0: well it's not you know, so, you know, not tech savvy
1: <laughs> exactly right so um, one of the things that I did when I was at old Miss was I had a um a coding camp mm. Um and the first one I did was uh Black Girls Cold, and we had some uh sisters come in town uh from Jackson and help out some of the uh young black youth get involved, the young sisters. So that was the first one. And then the second one we did uh was just coding period for kids, and then we went to uh to the schools. It's funny, uh you know, Mississippi. It's just like Chicago, it's just like any other city. So it's separated by train tracks and, you know, one side is good, one side is bad. So um, the university always does something on the good side of the tracks. And I just tried to make sure that while I was there as one of the, the few black folks in leadership that, you know, I crossed over to the to the dark side of the uh, world tracks and, and tried try to help my people out a little bit as mes- uh, best I could um, and let them know that there was some black guys over here or black people uh, Not only uh, working in athletics, but I'm working in technology, uh, doing, you know, really cool stuff, you know, between venues and uh, devices and uh, Wi-Fi and all this other stuff. So, you know, I think the more we talk about it, uh, the more we can kind of create a buzz. Um, My fear is that we don't get involved because we can already see our non-involvement uh, in the process. when you look at, uh, AI yep. and all the other intelligence stuff that's gathering, uh, the data analytics, which is, you know, huge, yeah. um, you know, these areas that, uh, are underrepresented, uh, by minorities. So again, I think we need to have that conversation, you know, definitely participate in career day at the schools when they back open, um, and, you know, and, and talk to young people about technology and, in a deeper, more uh, holistic um, way, other than, hey, here's your phone, and here's your Instagram, and yeah. we can get your likes up, and we can get your tweets up, and it's like, well, you know, how does that tweet happen? You know, right?
0: right. How
1: how are you mm-hmm. able to tweet? <laughs> you know, let's
0: <laughs> let's talk about that. You know, oh man, so. that's that's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, we we have a lot of work to do. You know, I mean, we we have a lot of work to do. Um, and again, I think you know one of the group that uh, I'm working with now, uh, Black Men in Technology, that um, one of my good friend and I started here. Um, we're trying to find ways to encourage at the junior high level. Um, you know, the excitement in technology, right? Uh, because again, right. A lot of the kids, depending on what neighborhood or how they grew up, the, there's are only two, two, the two things they know, right? There's a rap artist to make a lot of money, or the professional athlete, right? You mm-hmm. know, so again, you know, that's what they see on TV. That's where all the money is at. But, you know, the in-between stuff, um, unless they have, you know, parents who are dedicated to be like, you know what, hey, you don't have to be either a rap artist or an athlete, you can right. be an IT professional, right? Or you can have these other jobs. Um, you know, they might not even know that those spaces exist. So I mean, I think, you know, those are right in the space, it's up to us to at least, you know, bring those kids along and you know be there for them as much as we can. Oh man, hey, listen, we are detangling JB Gerald from Chicago. Um, my man, IT operations manager for the US Soccer Federation. I'm telling you, great guy. Personality-wise though. He is the best person to hang out all day long. I remember we (laughs) go to conferences and we just sit back and have all these deep conversations while having some adult drinks. Exactly. (laughs) Adult drinks make all conversations better, though. But no, for real, JB is, you know, one of the most down to earth, um, just having a raw conversation with the man is pretty deep. And, you know, I honestly, I love that about you um you know thank you for you know always keeping me company when we go to all these conferences (laughs) i walk in look i need somebody to hang with me i I look around i'm like oh yeah yeah that's a a reminder i need to find jb where's he at (laughs) you know yeah man i you know that
1: that that's one of those conferences uh, that we go to is like oh i'm so glad I, she got some people here yes we're yes. oh my you look at the roster you look down you're like yeah okay cool eddie's here okay yeah. Yep. all right steven's here okay ronnie's here okay cool we're, yeah, we're good uh, yeah yeah well Akbar's here. okay we good. we good i got my guys here let's do this
0: oh, man, let's go try man. and turn this
1: conference out a little bit
0: um, so, but no, for real, you know, thanks for always watching out. Um, you've always been a great, great brother to me. Appreciate you a lot. Um, and thanks for taking the time, you know, to come and uh, have this conversation. Um, you know, before I let you go, though, I'm going to give you one minute to send out a message out to the world. Um, again, one minute, you know, tell the world, whatever you want the world to hear. You know, share some wisdom with us. I'm going to give you some background music. What do you want the world to hear from JB? I
1: want the world to take this moment during the pandemic to actually stop and look at how they can help the rest of us do better and be better. And obviously that starts with you or within you. So if you do better and be better, we will be better and do better. So love somebody, hug somebody when you get a chance to after this pandemic, go get a shot.
0: How about that? <laughs> yeah. Go
1: get a shot.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> Let's do that. If we if we all go get a shot, I think we'll have a shot, right? <laughs> we'll have a chance. Yeah.
0: Uh, no doubt, uh, no
1: Eddie, doubt. thanks for having me, man. You're a yeah, great guy. No, no.
0: Thank you. Thank I, I tell you,
1: you I got to surround myself with smart guys, and that's why I quickly uh, got in the room with you and sat around and chit-chat and told myself, this guy's pretty smart. I'm going to have him around me.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. So, I want to and... be in the
1: room with this guy.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, JB, for coming through. Um, like you said, in the words of Oprah Winfrey, helping others is the way we can help ourselves. Um, you know, like JB said, hey, listen, get out, you know, um, help all the people, you know, you know, be the light, you know, be the change. And let's uh, let's do this together. That's the only way we can heal as a nation, heal as a a community, um, heal us individuals. Thank you so much for coming through. It was an honor talking to you, my man, JB. Hey, listen, I can't wait uh, for us to get together again. It's going to be. Yes,
1: (laughs) I'm waiting for the conference.
0: Right. Yeah.